for those of you online, Mitch has not suddenly been stricken <laughs> with age and ugliness. Uh, he's, uh, he's not here today. And so um, he asked me if I would preach. My name's Eddie Sharp. Those of you have been around, uh, I've been basically absent for four years. Maybe some of you too. Um, but uh, it's great to be uh, here today to see so many people that I, am, I dearly love. I dearly love and have made marks deep in my heart and in Annette's heart. Um, we do not forget you. Uh, even though it's been about four years, we do not forget you. Um, Mitch uh, is wondering if I'm going to preach this text uh, wherever he is right now. Uh, and some preachers would be really smart. They would read this text and they would say, that reminds me of John 3.16. Since it's already been read uh, this morning, uh, there was adequate information. Uh, By the way, thank you for leading us this uh, morning and bringing those gifts. I saw online that Jeff uh, was leaving last week. It's just, just marvelous. Um, the last time I saw them, they didn't have that girl. <laughs> <laughs> that was very nice. But uh, in fact, we are going to preach this text. We're going we're to preach the fully out of this text. Um, and uh, it, it actually invites us on, on quite a journey. And I'll be doing this in English, um, because it's, uh, you were talking about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. That word in Hebrew is chesed. And I can imagine a whole group of Jewish people standing around chesed each other. So we're glad to do that in English today. You don't need a raincoat. Um, that's good. This business of looking at Abraham and what God did with Abraham is is important business in Genesis because one of the questions that we always have as we live in faith is, is the question, is God dependable? Is, uh, is God able to fulfill his promises? Is he making promises he's willing to keep? And one of the things that we have in Scripture is the history of the God who keeps promises. Uh, the other aspect of, of our life with God is is God really interested in what's going on here? And, and the story of God in the Old Testament and New Testament is that the God who is God is willing to get into the real world of our lives up to his elbows. He is not a, uh, an ethereal God. He is not a God that, that we have to chase. This is the God who has been chasing us. This is the God who comes to us. This is the God who promises to us. This is the God who fulfills promises to us. And the, and the great example of this in the Old Testament um, early on is the promise to Abraham. Um, and you've been talking about that since Genesis 12. You've been talking about that since uh, Abraham was, or Abram, was 75. And then last week you talked about uh, Ishmael and Hagar and all that. And he was 87. And uh, now we show up and he's 99. There's a couple of things I want to say about that. One is he's going to live to be 175. 
So he's now, in the terms of his lifespan, he's about middle age. But he's on Social Security a long time. <laughs> a long time. Um, the other is, is that when we talk about his faith in God and his willingness to listen to God's promises and live by God's promises and wander according to God's promises, it's not like God shows up and talks to him every day. God shows up and then 12 years later he shows up. And then from 75 to 87 and then 12 years later he shows up. And, and sometimes we are, are troubled that we haven't heard from God you know, in, in a fortnight. And um, God does not talk constantly to the faithful because they're faithful. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. We are faithful even with our promising but sometimes silent God. That's the essence of true faith. Now, now to the point here. This is sort of the third lap through the promises. In chapter 12, you have promises. In chapter 15, you've got promises and covenant. And now, uh, chapter 17. And God comes and says, all of these things are, are still true. That I'm going to make you uh, an everlasting covenant. And you're going to have descendants. And you're going to have land. And you're going to be the father of kings. And Abraham is still thinking it over that he doesn't have a child except Ishmael. And God says, and we're going to start something here. Maybe you haven't thought of this, but we're going to start a sign among the males that you are in the promise. And it is the, the sign of circumcision. Now circumcision, in its very uh, etymology, means to cut a circle. That's what it means, to cut a circle. And so that's what they did. And this is a sign that is uh, provocative in many ways. You don't supposed to talk about this. Uh, but my dad was a preacher. And, and he would talk about the circumcision, the uncircumcision. And when I was a little boy, I had no idea what that was. But I thought, must be important. You know, I'm not sure what it is. But I found out what it was. I went, you can talk about that? You, you've been saying that in church and reading these scriptures. And, and so um, it is a sign that God is with us, knows us, knows how he made us. He's in our business. And he wants us to be closely, intimately connected with him and not forget not for a day ever. And circumcision is such a sign. It is the sign in your flesh of an everlasting covenant. And he says, with this covenant uh, also comes a promise. You're going to have a son. A son. And, and you read that part. Thank you, Sister Eastman, for reading that part. 
David fall, uh, Abraham falls down laughing. Not necessarily something you're supposed to do in the presence of God. When God says something, you go, ha, ha, you're funny. You're funny. And God makes it, and God hears Abraham make a deal with it. And Abraham is very compassionate. He doesn't want God's power uh, to be questioned. He may, he's very compassionate. He says, I got a deal for you, God. I already have this son. Your anger. Sarah decided she wasn't all that excited about it, but still, we can make it easy on you. Easy on you. Easy on you. Easy on me. Easy on Sarah. <coughs> Just take the son of God. <clears throat> Circumcision is not going to be the sign of incomplete promises. Circumcision is going to be the sign of promises made and kept fully. And so God says, Abram, guy with a new name, father of many, you are going to be rocking a baby in a year. Sarah is going to go through this blessed pregnancy in the next year. The promise will be kept. And so Abraham and Ishmael are circumcised. When Isaac is born on the eighth day, he will be circumcised. And this begins the process that will follow the Israelites down through the years. Now, uh, that's kind of the description. Now, where does the preaching come from? You know, we've had the anatomy lesson. We've had the what happened. We've had the things that are going on inside the, the Genesis 17 box. But, and? And so if you, so if you follow this story on, uh, there are things that, that show up. Well, one is that um, in Joshua chapter 5, uh, the Israelites have crossed the the Sea of Jordan. They've come into the land. They are on the verge of Jericho. And God says, wait a moment. Wait a moment. All of the people, all the men who left Egypt were circumcised. No one has been circumcised in the wilderness. Forty years of uncircumcision. And so now... As you've crossed into the promised land, it's time to reassert the sign. And so all of the men in Israel stop and are circumcised. They wait, and after they heal, then they can march around Jericho. Then they can around Jericho after they had reinstituted the sign. So it was serious. They come back to the very land where that sign had been initiated. They had been promised through Abraham the land of Canaan. Now they are back in Canaan and they remember the sign. The sign of the promise. Now, we roll forward a bit and the people of Israel uh, go through some times of 
of faithfulness and unfaithfulness and faithfulness and unfaithfulness and kind of like some of us. And eventually, circumcision, while practiced, is seen to be inadequate. Because while it may be a sign in your flesh and blood, it does not guarantee that you are going to live the way God wants you to live. And so in the prophets, circumcision begins to be talked about in a different way. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Jeremiah says, the Lord says, um, you need to circumcise your hearts. Um, later in chapter 6, verse 10, he says, you have uncircumcised ears. There may be parts of you that are circumcised, covenant, signed, but your behavior, the way you listen, the way you're treating the poor, the way you're treating your neighbor, it does not show that you are wanting to live honorably inside this covenant. And it says something about what God was wanting in, in the promise to Abraham. I, I want to make you a great people, but a certain kind of people. I want to make you a great nation, but a certain kind of nation. I want kings to come through you, but, but I want them to be certain kind of kings. I want them to be more like Josiah than some of the other kings. More like David, even maybe, than Solomon. I've got, I've got an idea, not that you will just wear a mark, but that you'll be somebody. So when Jesus comes into the world, you may remember that on the eighth day, and I remember I was at some um, place, and, and I don't even know if this is true. You know, a lot of things that you're preached aren't true. Don't, don't, don't write that down. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes preachers hear things and then they go through iterations of, but, but I heard this guy say, oh, the eighth day, it's a magical time. Eighth day, vitamin K peaks in a newborn uh, child, and it is the peak of the clotting factor. It's the very best time for there to be something circumscribed. Well, that's right. But it's the eighth day. Among the, the Muslims, they follow uh, uh, Ishmael, and so their boys, they got to be 13. Okay. But Jesus is brought to the temple, presented at the temple. There is a, a little sacrifice, a sacrifice that indicates that his parents are poor, the birds, the birds. Probably bought from somebody who was cheating them. Maybe Jesus will give them back to that. <laughs> and there, as Jesus is circumcised, he is named. It's Jesus. 
And this Savior moves through his life pretty well inside that Jewish circumcised sign of the covenant world. But it's not enough. It's not enough. That the promise that was the promise to Abraham that I will make you a mighty people and a great nation and a people of kings was meant by God to run past the boundaries of the Jewish nation and slop over in a tidal wave of love into the Gentile uncircumcised world. <laughs> Wait till Siri looks that up. <laughs> and so, the Jews on Pentecost, um, they hear the message that I'm sure they would have thought was meant for them. Maybe they would have thought it was meant only for them. And they find out, if you read down to about chapter 10, that there are God-fearing Gentiles. God-fearing Gentile mean, being a technical term for Gentiles who love the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David. They love the Old Testament scriptures. They love it, but they are not ready to accept the covenant of circumcision. And so Cornelius and his house, they love Abraham, but what they hear from Peter is that now the covenant sign is no longer required by the God who made the promise. And what you find out is that in the cross of Jesus, something happened to the sign of circumcision. Annette and I have been teaching in uh, our church in Dallas at Howland Oaks, where we met Jay Haley's sister. She she didn't tell us anything that she said. Yeah. And, and, and as we're doing these lessons, we're going through the lessons that we taught here, and we're changing University Avenue to Highland Oaks. So even this last week, we were remembering you as we were adjusting the message. <laughs> it is amazing after the, the passage in chapter 2 in Ephesians that talks about the grace of God, the grace of God, by grace you've been saved. It's not of yourself. No one can boast. You're God's workmanship. Then verse 11 Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship 
in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new person out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Really. The promise to Abraham is fulfilled in a mighty way by Jesus the King coming through his life. And Jesus the great King and sacrifice by the offering of his own life not some part of his body, but by his, his whole self. <clears throat> Became himself the covenant sign. And so now as we come to Jesus, well, let me just interrupt myself. Have you read Acts 15 lately? I guess if you probably were looking at that last night. <laughs> the question in Acts 15 is, are we going to let these uncircumcised Gentiles wet from the baptistry in our church? And there's a, a sizable group of people, mostly those who come out of the Pharisees, who are arguing in Jerusalem, the answer is no. In order to become a Christian, you must become a Jew, and then you have to become a Christian. So it's, it's here, believe, Repent, confess, have minor surgery, and be baptized. That's the plan of salvation for them. And then and Paul and Barnabas are there, and they're, they're talking about what God has been doing among the Gentiles. Have you heard about what God's been doing among the Gentiles? The signs and the wonders and the, the people coming. And, and Peter even gets up and tells them the story again. And they think about it and they say, hmm, we don't need to make it more difficult for the Gentiles to come to Jesus. So we've got these three things we're going to ask them to do. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Don't eat blood. And... and sexually pure. There is no place in the writings of Paul where he refers to those uh, rules made in Jerusalem. I, I guess he thought they were good. You may assume that some of the things he said assumed that, but Paul didn't do that. Probably earlier than the Jerusalem conference, Jeff will, will fix this next week and he'll say, anyone right? There's no sign of the Jerusalem conference in the letter to the Galatians. In, in Galatia, the people were saying, there were people coming in and saying, no, you think you're a Christian, but you're not because you haven't been circumcised. You are wrong. 
And in Galatians, Paul gets really agitated. He comes down like from the stormy north side of Jesus. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Don't do that. He says in chapter 5, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and then do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now, if you're letting yourself be circumcised as a plan of salvation, I guess you be circumcised if you want to for other reasons. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I don't know, Paul, what do you really think? <laughs> and then at the end of the letter to the Galatians, Paul says, see what, what large letters I use as I write with my own hand. He takes the pen himself, which is probably emphatic, but maybe not legible. <laughs> Those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. What? And I say again to you, what? The covenant signed to Abraham in Genesis 17 was the mark of Israel. And, and to, to the people of Israel, it was kind of their, their uh, trademark. It was their honor and their privilege to be physically marked and spiritually unmoved. Paul says something's different now. Something's different now. In Christ... And by the cross of Christ, you who are even Gentiles by birth and by physiology are a part of the Israel of God. The Israel of God. You are now people who are inside God's promise to Abraham. You're now people inside 
God's great Israel covenant. And so this morning, I want us to have great, um, great feelings for God's promise to Abraham. That was a sweet promise. And Abraham was a man of, of great, but not totally constant faith. I mean, God, I don't know about you giving us a child. We got a boy here. But let me just say briefly more about our covenant sign. Colossians chapter 2. For in Christ all the fullness of God, of deity, lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised. In the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. Hmm. Well, the gender wall on circumcision fell, didn't it? Now in Christ... All of us have in Christ had our sinful nature shoveled off by our baptism into Christ. Some of you go, well, I've still got a little of that on me, a little sinful nature. Well, you know, it's one of those in Christ you get credit for being what you're not quite already. You get credit for the process you're in. You get credit for being circumcised in heart while your heart is still having the spirit chip away at all the stuff that's not like Christ. But all of us who have been buried with Christ and raised with Christ, all of us who have been given the Holy Spirit are now marked with the covenant sign of the new covenant that is in Christ and of the new Israel of God. When people have their hearts broken by the love of God in Christ, when people come and they confess Jesus and join him in baptism, they're standing in the rich tradition of Abraham and all the faithful through the years who heard what God wanted and did what God asked. And no longer are we in the surgery of the flesh. We are in the surgery of the Spirit. It changes everything about us. May God be glorified in all we do. Amen. Amen.